0: Trigger warning, the Resilience Project provides an open space for people to share their personal experiences. Some content in this podcast may include topics that you may find difficult. The listener's discretion is advised. Hello, friends. Welcome to Radical Resilience, a weekly show where I, Blair Kaplan Venables, have inspirational conversations with people who have survived life's most challenging times. We all have the ability to be resilient and bounce forward from a difficult experience. And these conversations prove just that. Get ready to dive into these life-changing moments while strengthening your resilience muscle and getting raw and real. Welcome back to another episode of Radical Resilience. It's me, Blair Kaplan Venables, coming to you with another co-author, another story of resilience that's going to be featured in book number two. I met Charlise years ago, and she's just super phenomenal lover, um, you know, when she said she wanted to be in this book, I am so honored that she wants to share her story with our community. You know, she has a huge story and a lot of experience. She is a copywriting and content creation specialist, she loves to support female business owners in reaching their goals. I met her because she was doing that. I even hired her to help me with some stuff. And since starting her company in the summer of 2019, she's been published in entrepreneur.com, featured in Self Magazine, interviewed on dozens of podcasts, spoken at over 10 summits, worked with multiple six and seven figure clients. And now she has a course. She's absolutely amazing, but she's more than just her business. She has quite the story. In fact, she didn't always have a business. And we are here today to talk about how one day she woke up was unable to walk which changed her entire life and career so hello Charlize
1: hey Blair that was quite the intro thank you so much
0: oh well thank you thank you for being here being open to share your story Uh, just right there when I said hello Charlize I was like in my head it sounded like hello Clarice
1: (laughs) (laughs) people say that to me all the time believe it or not it's so funny It's it's funny. It's actually kind of cool. It's like, you know what? Maybe I am sometimes a little scary and that's okay. I mean, I life's
0: scary, but there's nothing wrong with scary, you know? I mean.
1: Yeah, I think the way people define scary changes to me. Um, my definition of scary has definitely changed. And there's not a lot that scares me anymore about life because um, in, that, in that, you know, jump scare kind of way, something is probably coming around the bend. So I usually prepare for it if I can and when I can't. I just think we just go with it, but didn't always happen that way. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? It, it's interesting. Like,
0: before we dive into your story, the fact that you say that, like, <clears throat> I, I realized in the fall, like, a lot of the fear I've had in life, and I don't have a lot of fear. Like, I'm very brave and I'm impulsive and intuitive, and I just do things. I don't have a lot of fear.
1: Mm -hmm. and I
0: realized since both my parents died like I feel quite fearless it's like wow what's the worst that can happen Mm -hmm. and I know more bad things can happen and things that are worse than my parents dying I mean maybe might happen I don't know I don't want to challenge the universe but you know Mm -hmm. it takes going through some pretty difficult stuff to be able to redefine what scary or fear is and like let's talk about your story. What was life like before when you were able to walk? I mean, you could walk again, (laughs) but like, what, like, who were you? What happened?
1: I was the kind of person that I guess you could say there was like always, you always just saw the shadow of me because I was always moving so fast. You know, I was a blur Um, and I liked it. I was the flash. I would move around and just do 15, 20 things in a day. Um, I decided, early on um, to become a hairstylist, because my my choices were actually writer, psychologist, or hairstylist, because I love to tell stories, and I'm really great at that, but also I love to know what goes on with people in their heads, and um, third, I loved beauty, and I used to restyle all my doll hair, so those were some three totally different choices, until I realized they're actually not at all in hairdressing, let me tell stories, and Woo boy did I dive deep into the psychology of people and myself during that phase. So for 20 plus years, I did hair. Um, I was into everything. I learned as much as I could about business. I did go to college to learn business. I studied business. Um, re- I was one of the first people, like fresh out of school at the salon I went to to take clients off the floor and start running my own, you know, behind the chair in California. You can rent separately become your own entity so wow. um, man I, I was fearless when I was younger like that you know I was at dirt biking snowboarding I was into all the stuff there's a concert happening I would do that at night wake up early the next morning and do the thing I had to do I mean my life was so fun and and um, then I got married I got married on the younger side um, something I don't recommend to a lot of people but it was the right move for me and it yeah. was right at the right time he and I still don't regret it even though um, I'll get to the part where we've uncoupled but At the time, it was just this, I'm not afraid to commit to this person. He's part of my life story. Let's go. Let's jam. And we dirt biked together, and we snowboarded together, and we went to concerts together. And I grew my business. And uh, so I uh, was one day approached, you know what? You're great at speaking and telling stories. Will you educate for us? Next thing you know, half of my career was dedicated to teaching for top hair companies around the US. And um, then they had me doing sales. They had me, I was offered jobs that, you know, my career counselor in high school said, You're going to do hair. You'll never get a great job. You'll never make enough money. And I was like, honey, I'm going to make so much more money than you in just a couple of years. And not to be disrespectful, but in a like, I'm not going down your path. I see my path clearly. And I I went for it. And, you know, there was always ups and downs because that's life. But by and large, life just kind of kept going on the upward swing. Um, I got, you know, all that good stuff was going on. So I live in um, Orange County, California, which I know you've been here before, Blair. So I'm about 30 minutes from um, this little place called Disneyland. And so my life was, you know, going out with my friends, going to the beach, going to Disneyland a couple times a week with our pass. Um, I had a beautiful dog. I did hair just two to three days a week. Um, Got to volunteer a lot. I mean, anything I wanted to do was within my possibility of range to do. And I always felt good, but I was always in pain. And one day it caught up with me. So what kind of, let's talk about that pain.
0: Where was mm-hmm. it? What, what caused you know, it? Where funny? was it?
1: You know, looking back after therapy, I can tell you what really caused it. But um, <laughs> ostensibly it was lower back pain caused from dirt biking, snowboarding, couple of car accidents and standing on my feet all day um, doing hair. And so that 20 plus years, I even owned a salon, building that salon out myself. I remember laying on the floor, like hand painting the molding because it wasn't the right color. Um, All those things I wasn't afraid to just get my hands in and do, Um, they took their toll physically. But at the same time, um, I was hitting around 13, 14 years of being married to like the love of my life. And turns out that he had a secret life that he didn't have another family or anything like that. But he had a lot of secrets, a lot of demons, and he did not want to face them. And eventually they took their toll on his mental health. And he fell into a serious mental health crisis that completely affected me. And eventually we had to separate to for my mental and physical safety. Wow. So at that point, I was like now carrying all this, the world on my back, <laughs> carrying all the weight of everything. And I wanted to carry him too. I wanted him to get better. I wanted us to get through this and be together. And one day my back couldn't take that weight anymore. And so there was another car accident um, and during our separation. Um, I was driving with someone and, you know, she, it's a long story, but I was a passenger and. I mean, on the, on the five freeway, we were on our way to Disneyland, by the way. And um, we got completely sandwiched between a bunch of cars. We had to get hauled off the freeway in an ambulance. Like it was, it was, her car was told that it was a major accident. And that was kind of like the countdown to just a few months later. um, I one day just woke up, opened my eyes and I was like, you know, it's, it's whatever time in the morning it was. And I have to pee really bad. And then I was like, oh, I can't, I can't move my legs. I can't, it's happened that fear, that, One of the biggest fears in my life was something is going to happen to my back one day, and I won't be able to take care of myself, and there's no one else here to take care of me. What will I do? Wait, you had that fear. Um, I've always had that fear because um, I had to take care of my husband most of our marriage, and I I was a very strong individual. uh, Through therapy, I've learned that I parented myself a lot as a child, so. I always just relied on myself. And y- that fear of not being able to rely on yourself due to something out of your control, that was a major fear in my life. Who was I going to count on at that moment? Now, my parents are still alive. They're still around. Um, they love me. They help me, but it- it's not in the way that I felt like I was understood or need to be cared for. Mm-hmm. So that fear was like, they're not going to be able to be here for me. No one will. What will I do then? Um, my husband, at the time when we had. I had that last car accident. He didn't even come to the hospital. He was 30 minutes away. He didn't even come to see if I was okay. Um, I called from the hospital, had to have a friend come and undress me just to get into the like CT scan and the MRIs to make sure my head was okay. And I haven't talked to this friend in a few months. And I was like, can you come like, you know, make me naked and take out all my earrings and help me. My husband wouldn't come. My parents live about an hour away. They were like, it's kind of late. Let us know how it goes tomorrow. Like they just, everyone just kind of, so I um, don't make excuses for people, but I do understand that they had their own reasons why they couldn't be there. Maybe they didn't understand the severity of that. And since my mom has been there for me during subsequent things, but during that time, I think that that fear was uh, very valid that what's going to happen if I, so I woke up and I couldn't walk. And that was, that was the beginning of what I thought was going to be the end of my life.
0: Holy shit. Charlize. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing all that. And I'm so sorry you went through all of that. Mm-hmm. I loved your, I love your tenacity and your like uh, motivation and perseverance when it comes to like building an empire. Um, I relate. So I, I know how hard that <laughs> is. And I'm, I can't imagine what it would be like to live with that fear of like not having someone to take care of you when something happens. I mean, I kind of I kind of get it now because my parents are dead, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: well, yours aren't. But I'm like, uh-oh, something happens. Like, I know I have my sister and my husband, but whatever. <laughs> but, I, you know, like it's just it crosses my mind. Like, oh, God, what do I do? Um, mm-hmm. I, and uh, that just sounds really difficult navigating, you know, with your husband, like him not being able to be there for you because he's supposed to be your person. And I'm sorry you had to go through all that. And, like, that's a lot of accidents. And, you know, so, so you wake up. You you have to pee, can't feel your <laughs> legs. What do you do? Um.
1: So then I, um. you know, full panic sets in, but the, the cool thing about myself, I think is my first panic is, you know, it's fight or flight minus fight. Mine is like, okay, everybody just shut up. What do we do first? So my, uh, my dog who I, you know, I had after the separation. So he's with me. He at this point is like 13 years old. He, he was a French bulldog and he was, you know, very healthy, but still like he's an older pup. And he's next to me and he he would sleep in his crate. So he's looking at me like, mom, this is the time where you let me out. So I'm thinking like, I can't pee. The dog can't pee. I can't walk. I'll never be able to do hair again. It was December, my biggest money-making month ever. And I was going to pay off some bills that had come. So like things were really, and then at that point I had bought my first condo, which was super exciting because I bought it after we separated. Um, but at the Wait, same so point... So this happened after you separated the mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm all alone. I owned my first condo with my, de- I mean, I decorated. I'm like, I'm living like a pretty sweet life. I had just had two trips, two dream trips, and that was to go to Paris. Um, and I got to go to France. I got to go to Disneyland Paris, which I'd always wanted to do. I love how much um, you love Disney. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Let's but it come back to, back to that. We're going to circle back to that. was part of my thing. Um, but anyway, like it was just a dream. And I remember like I got to, to re- realize all of these wonderful things. And then here I was. And it was like, is this punishment for living my dream? Like you wonder these crazy things. But honestly, um, it was just an emotional response to the fact that I had been caring so much for so long and I couldn't do it anymore. My back was like, we're tired. So, um, I call a friend, I, I, I reached my phone, thank God. And I was like, who, who's up at 7.00 AM who could like, I had two friends with keys. And so I texted both friends. Cause I had thought ahead. My mom has a key, but she's again, like over an hour, almost two hours away. So, um, I texted the first friend I could think of now she has two young children. She's got to get off to school. And I just said, help. I can't walk. Please bring key immediately. And then I texted other friends in case they could just like take the key from her. Like, I didn't know who I could ask, but I was like, this is the time to ask. This is to see, this is when I need people. Like, there's no a fear of asking for help. I have to have help. So my amazing friend didn't even remember to put on her glasses. She jumped in the car and then said she got down the street and was like, I can't see, <laughs> but still drove oh, yeah. because the, the path to our houses is like five minutes away. So she was like, whatever, whatever drove super as fast as she could without getting <laughs> in the accident, came straight to my house. Um, at that point, or like a miracle had happened where the dog had figured out how to let himself out in 13 years. He never had, but suddenly he did. So he let himself out. He, um, she came and cleaned up the bathroom, but she had to help me get to the toilet, which is at 36, 37 years old, a very weird thing to have your friend have to walk you to the bathroom because you might not make it but I made it. And um, that began um, about a three week drama of begging doctors to believe me that my pain was so bad. I needed surgery. Um, They had me, they tried to give me oxy, which thank goodness I'm not, I didn't get addicted to that, but they had me on all these painkillers told me just to wait it out. Oh, it's the holiday season. We're all going on vacation. Goodbye. It was, mm -hmm, it was me like through pain and fog of pain meds going, I swear, you just need to, you just need to open my back and cut out the exploded disc. What had happened was my disc, which had been herniated and I knew had um, been compressed so much that it actually exploded onto the two nerves on the side of that, those where the disc would have been still. And, And when you pinch off those nerves, I like, theoretically could still walk but my body wasn't letting me because for fear that it would snap the back and then render me paralyzed permanently and did you like kind of feel like that was what was happening and the doctors weren't really believing you um yeah I mean I had um going down my leg numb spots and I was trying to point at it and he's like well you know the doctors just kept saying let's come back in six weeks and I'm like I can't move I can't I can't go to the bathroom like I can't um, so a friend had come and taken the dog cause I couldn't walk him. I lived upstairs. So like I was confined to my room on meds. I had a couple of friends come and stay the night. Like people really pitched in, people really came through for me. And I have to say, this is when I learned not to fear being alone because I never, you, you, you aren't, you, you don't have to be alone. And most people really, really aren't. And I got to see that for myself. So it ended up with me calling 911 and why are they always bought? They're always so hot. They're so cute. The paramedics. These beautiful scene? men came oh, yeah. in. <laughs> and then like had to strap me in and carry me down the stairs. And were you naked? Me. No, I, I prepared for their call. My friends came. I packed a bag. I got to bring yeah. my underwear and my favorite book to the, the hospital. But yeah, you know, it was hours of sitting at the hospital in agonizing pain. And they tried to actually put me in an Uber and send me home alone to take care of myself. And um, that's you're a like, whole different story. You're like a I was like I'm a danger to myself into society and so they they had to illegally keep me well anyway shorten that story to three days of level 12 out of 10 pain could not walk my mom did come and stay but she had broken her leg, so she's there in a cast trying to help me anyway it was lovely people all came and pitched in and helped and three days later a miracle of a doctor out here he's actually turns out the best neurosurgeon in the area um uh, fit me into his schedule last second and they they cleaned they did what is called a discectomy. so they cleaned out all the disc fluid and cleaned off the little nerves and um I could walk again. But um I, I wasn't fully out of the woods. But um they were like you'll be back doing hair in six weeks. And I fully, fully wasn't. You're like, ah that's a lie. <laughs> well first of all, hallelujah to the magic doctor. Oh yeah he was amazing. Okay. Yeah.
0: And then what happened? So you got the magic doctor to clean out your fluids
1: i remember just- laying in the hospital um my like last night in the hospital they said they're going to discharge me the next day if i can walk which was great because at this moment i'm having by this point i'm having ptsd the lady next to me was screaming in the night and she finally got discharged i had a room to myself thank god and Blaving. i'm all by myself like talking to myself and i'm like you can't do hair anymore i'm like canceling clients from the and i'm like downplaying it you know because we're business owner and i like, yeah oh! like i just had a bout of like you know back pain <laughs> i mean um, sorry that you're going to miss the holiday party, um, but my friend can do your Um, So here I am looking at, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars gone. And I'm like panicked because um, I had decided to put my house on the market, which then sold while I was in the hospital again. Hallelujah. Um, and it was then and there that I realized that my path was that I was going to have to, for the first time in 30, you know, I was 37, 20, 17 years, move back home to my parents, which scared me for a lot of reasons as well. Uh, two hours away from my everyone that I knew and loved but I I was gonna have to start over and there was no way to do this without hitting the full ground all the way and I did so sold my house walked away drove myself to my parents house and cried my eyes out for days and that was my new life that was December of 2018 I moved in uh, the end of January 2018 yeah threw away most of my furniture a lot of things I had accumulated over the years people lovingly bubble packed my pink plates that I bought after my husband moved out because so I was like I want pink plates do you still have them I do I'm never getting rid of those things those are like one of my favorite possessions like <laughs> plates. <laughs> and um so yeah I had to think of like now what the heck am I gonna do Blair like what am I gonna do how am I gonna pay for my bills
0: yeah so you pack up your pink plates <laughs> you moved a couple hours away to your parents lucky that you had them but that's I can't yeah. even imagine if like the choice to move home or the like i have to move home like in your 30s or ever
1: yeah <laughs> like it's, um... I like
0: then what happened because that's 2018 <laughs> like we're in 2000 yeah. um where are we 23? 23.
1: yeah that was five years ago now yeah so well, almost five years ago so yeah you know what was you know what was crazy is I think being an independent person like yourself, you probably can resonate with the idea that being told you have no options is like probably the worst kind of prison. It's like, just give me my options. I'll choose one, but like, don't say I have no options. And um, I'm ever grateful forever that I got to stay at my parents. Like, and not everyone has that. Not everyone has a backup plan, but um, it wasn't easy for anyone. They are very independent themselves. Um, my brother had lived with them multiple times, but for whatever reason, i moving home was just this like... This, this thing that rocked their lives. So um, I fell into a severe depression. I tried to get jobs in like the hair industry, but this whole year, I think it was a year of me learning that I had to go on welfare, which I was not embarrassed about. Give me the free food and the free like cash. Like I was fine. Um, my ex pitched in and paid for like some car payments and stuff. Well, the story becomes a miracle later. So first of all, it's a year of like learning to deal with stuff. At this point, though, I'm packing on pounds Um, it's harder to like recover because I can't go out and walk because like everything hurts. And so I'm gaining weight, like things are getting worse physiologically for me, but at the same time, mentally. (laughs) And so I'm like, okay, now you thought the worst had happened. Well, that wasn't the worst, actually. And the worst was yet to come. But through all of this, I learned that I very much do need depression medication. And that is that really saved my life, I think, forever, because now I know my like, childhood of dealing with little late depressions was more than I thought it was so I learned a lesson about like therapy self-care and mental health about myself that I really needed to face so that was awesome and then I said I'm starting a freaking business then like I can do this and what do I want to do and I you know like I said that night in the hospital I was talking to myself I can't do hair. so I thought this is your opportunity so you can sit here and cry which you're allowed to do and you need to but when you're done what are you going to do with this because you've just been given a gift. You get to start over. What is that moment going to mean? And I thought, you know what I want to do is travel wherever I want, go wherever I want, do whatever I want and get paid to enjoy my work. Because being a hairstylist, I loved it. I have to say my ex-husband would come home from his job working with cars I mean, just complain. People are so rude. People are so mean. Yeah. People hate their cars. Mm-hmm. People hate me. And I'm like, God, what is that life like? 10 times a day, someone goes, I love you. I love my hair. Yeah, um, I feel <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for everything you do. And we've had an hour of chit-chatting about usually you know, pretty good things by the end. So the only way I could do that is to reach out to more women in business and offer to find ways to help them market use social media things that I already had learned how to do, which eventually then reminded me that man, I always wanted to write a book about hairstyling. I've always wanted to write a book. I have a lot of books in me. What am I doing? I need to write. And I started taking classes for writing, selling myself as a writer. Every time I took a VA job, I started as a VA, like just doing little tasks as a virtual assistant. And I hated spreadsheets. What was I doing selling myself to do spreadsheets? I don't know how to do those. Um, Definitely learned to rebrand myself as what I wanted to do. And that was to write and apply myself to learning um, on the job. And um, through anything that I could get my hands on to learn. And I still do that to this day. So I, whenever people say, what do you do for a living? I used to say, oh, I was a hairstylist. But now I'm like, Frank, I'm a writer. And I'm so proud because that word encompasses a lot. And people go, oh, what kind of writer? And I love that moment pause where I'm like, and then I get to tell them what I write. I, yeah. so I what have do a you typewriter write? necklace. Wait, hold on. I know wait. I ra-
0: wait. Hey, what <laughs> I do you wear write? wear a little
1: typewriter necklace. Um, I write whatever I want. Dang it. Blair. Um, so I do. I help people write books, I edit books, but I also write blogs. I have been had my blogs for my clients um hit the SEO top of Google Rankings, top three, multiple months in a row. I um I do social media, I rewrite their sales pages so they can sell stuff. I give them confidence through words. We hang out. And this all started, you know, I realized my my talent for this when people would say, Oh my god, I need to break up with this guy. What should I say? I'm like, give me your phone. Uh-huh. <laughs> where they would say like, what should the caption be on this post? I don't want to hurt this person's feelings, but I want to, um, you know, convey this feeling. And I like, grab yeah. my friend's phone and I write them a cap- caption. I love that. Um, I, my mom fell down, at, uh, unfortunately, um, on some water, scooped on some ice at the grocery store. She's like, I don't know how to tell them like what happened and make it sound serious. And I'm like, oh, to whom it may concern, you know? So <laughs> I always have the gift of like, in fact, a short story, but I went to Ireland um, a few years ago with a friend and um we got to the Blarney castle and you're supposed to kiss the Blarney stone and I had a cousin who went to Notre Dame she you know did a year in Ireland and she's like you have to kiss the Blarney stone and I so I messaged her I said hey little cousin what is the Blarney stone about like do I really have to kiss it and she goes well it gives you the gift of eloquence and I was like oh I have that I don't need to kiss the stone and it turned out that we did not kiss the stone. It's really scary. It's far off the side. And this like old Irish man missing his teeth, hangs you over the side with your legs while you try to kiss the stone, oh. everyone else has kissed. And I found this adorable guy later from college who was giving us a ride. And he said, Oh, you didn't kiss the Blarney stone. Did you? Because we like to break in on the weekends and pee on the Blarney stone. Oh, that's funny. So Eloquent. <laughs> I was like, I'm already eloquent and I did not need to do that. And thank goodness, I'm uh, another reason that I'm grateful for my gift. So eloquence.
0: don't kiss the stone, people.
1: Just, you know what? Take a picture of the Blarney stone and then, um, walk away.
0: Um,
1: I love that. Okay.
0: So you have a typewriter necklace, you've built this career, <laughs> you've turned your pain into purpose. How's your back doing?
1: Okay, well, fast forward to it was pretty great but like there was still something missing. Turns out I actually also needed a hysterectomy which I had last year. Um once that was finally complete, again fighting tooth and nail for 10 years with doctors about female issues that they didn't believe me. Finally get it done. The day after that surgery I wanted to run a mile. My back only hurts when I'm stressing it out, only sitting in the wrong positions, only doing the wrong things. I'm 42 now, so the typical 42 year old pain instead of the debilitating pain of someone who can't walk. So I'm still very careful. I no longer dirt bike, snowboard. And, um, at, you know, we talked about Disneyland. I don't ride some of the rides that are really bad for your back and that's okay. Um, I'm, I'm very careful. I, I don't wear old lady shoes, but I wear um, shoes that are going to be old lady shoes. Eventually <laughs> I hear and you. I've learned to take care of myself and, um, enjoy where I'm at in life and what I'm doing. And, wow. you know, living with my parents, not only did I have all of that stuff happen to me, but the year after I was finally like making my headway through it. And then we had the pandemic, oh, so yeah. there was the pandemic <laughs> two years of being stuck in that situation even longer than I expected. But a miracle happened where I got to move back to orange County. Um, because of my car broke down and I'll tell that story another day on another episode. But um, to this day now I live back where I want to with a beautiful, amazing roommate. We have the best relationship. I have another French bulldog because while I was also going through hell, my dog died and my divorce was finalized after four years of fighting. So it was like, again, the worst part of my life. And one day I just turned around and it was no longer happening to me. And I'm not afraid of whatever could come next, because even like you said, if something could be, quote unquote, worse than all of that, I mean, what really could be worse than all of that? I'll, I'll, I would guess I would have to see and not challenge anyone to test me, but I will say that I'm not afraid of it because I know that we can get through it. You can get through anything if you just keep going.
0: Yeah. And I, I, absolutely love that. Like you're such a light and thank you so much for sharing all of that. You know, we're, as we're coming to the end, I mean, I feel like we can talk for hours, so you will have mm-hmm. to come back and people will read your story. I'm sure you're going to share some tidbits that you didn't share here in your story, yes. um, in the book, but how can people
1: find you? you know i love to hang out and talk with people on instagram so i'm girl at the yellow desk that's what i named my company i'll tell the story later but there is no yellow desk it's 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 a funny story so girl at the yellow desk people remember me they're like oh the, the yellow desk person um reach out dm me say hey see what i'm doing see what i'm up to learn about my course i'm creating to help people basically do what i do to write better to write their own stuff to support them themselves in their own business awesome i love that and
0: yeah. Your story is just so powerful, like how you, you know, were able to get through that and like completely change your career and turn your life around. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people have those moments. Like we live so many lifetimes in this lifetime. What advice do you have for someone who's going through something similar where like an injury basically changes their entire life?
1: Such a great question. And I actually have the same advice, even for 17 year olds, what you choose to do in the moment, um, it, yeah, it can have long standing repercussions, but don't be afraid of those repercussions. Just, so, you don't have to choose your forever career at 17. Um, if you're in the middle of doing something you love with your life or hate with your life and you have to change it in the moment, look at that as an opportunity to live a second life, a third life, something different. Um, you know, 40 is middle aged, which makes it sound like it's elderly, but it's really not. I have as many years to be a writer as I did to be a hair stylist and beyond. I could change and uh, maybe I'll be an artist uh, 15 years from now who knows because I love to do art so maybe all of those things will happen for you your lifetime isn't as short as you think when you're in it so yes we only have one life to live here and you want to make the most of what you can but don't look at it like one choice is all you got you can keep choosing and everything my, I guess my big words would be everything you do is a choice and you have that option to make a choice every minute of every single day. So just choose with all of the like heart and knowledge that you have and make the next choice after that.
0: So beautiful. Okay. I love that. You make a choice. That's about the choices you make Um, Mm -hmm. bonus question. It's a Disneyland question. (laughs) And just for some context, Alana and I went to Palm Springs for grief week. And mm-hmm. I'd never been to Disneyland. And so grief week is like where we like, it's like spring break for grievers, like me and my mom Yay. and my sister and my dad. Uh, anyways, everyone's up, but they're dead. So not, they're not actually there, but they're sort of, anyways, they died like a few days apart and Alan and I decided mm-hmm. forever, we will be together over those dates. somewhere warm as long as we could. So we chose Palm mm-hmm. Springs last year and- I've never been to Disneyland. And so my sister's like, let's go to Disneyland and we'll put it between the two sad days and go to the happiest place on earth. And I told Charlize, and she's like, was going to come meet us. But she unfortunately, she's like, I know every corner,
1: I know all <laughs> the secrets. And I felt so bad I couldn't kind of, meet you. I got sick. Yeah. She got sick.
0: But, um, yeah, like I think because of like my age and maybe multiple concussions and like back stuff, I can't ride certain rides. Like I get really <laughs> nauseous. Like I used to be able to do everything, and like I found like the easiest rides are like it's a small world and like the boat uh-huh. ride. But my sister would not stop talking about Space Mountain. Like we have to okay. do Space Mountain. We got this stupid genie whatever uh-huh. pass, and we made a reservation, and we did the same with this one of the Star Wars Star, yeah. Star Wars rides, and. I almost I was crying. Start. uh, I normally would have loved that. We look at this picture. Everyone's like smiling and yelling, and like you could see tears coming out of my face, like screaming, like I thought I was gonna die, and I had to lie on a lie on a bench for forty five minutes. I was like, I'm gonna barf. I got (laughs) off the ride and like fell over a little, and a stranger caught me. I was like, I can't believe how dizzy I am on Space Mountain, and like. And then like the same thing basically happened on this Star Wars ride where like my sister, I looked over and she like was gripping for her life. Like her eyes closed. We were both like, we can't do this. So what is your feel? How do you feel about Space Mountain?
1: Okay, first of all, it's the best ride ever, but I will say that I used it was to, terrifying.
0: to It was terrifying. <laughs> I used to I thought I was gonna die. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I used to be able to write it a couple of times in a row. And I think there is something that happens with um, grief experience that changes some of the way that your uh, physical body reacts to um, stress, I would call it, because that is a stress-induced situation. Um, and I think that for some of us it's not cathartic it's not fun. Um, the thing for me about Disneyland is I went every year once a year as a kid with my parents, and it was the most fun I ever had. It was the moment we were all together. I got yeah. to buy something fun. I got to eat treats I normally didn't so for me, when I walk into Disneyland even to this day, and then my ex and I used to go all the time when we were first married, it was like the thing that we like could afford to do the only thing we could because passes were super cheap back then they were like ninety nine dollars a year so We would go. And so for me, I walk onto main street and I am four years old waiting for fireworks. I am ready for popcorn. So those rides are the same. Um, so I don't have the trauma response to that, but, um, physically now I cannot do Matterhorn. Um, it would probably paralyze me. There's a quite a few rides that with age, you just, you just can't do them. Um, I used to get mad at my mom, my grandma. I'm like, who wants to do small world? That's boring. You know, nowadays I tell my friends, I'm like, can we go on small world twice? They're like, what? I'm like, it's air conditioning and it's slow. Oh, I know. I'll come. Okay. I'll
0: come back. You won't be sick. I'm actually coming to LA. I'll get, I'll tell you offline, but anyway, let's go. Let's go. So basically you make choices. That's her, you know, like you can make, you have the Uh ability to make choices. You should choose not to go on space mountain if you're old or grieving.
1: <laughs> don't do it I have a friend who can't do it when she's having a bad day just don't do it it's fine That's interesting. Needs to I was you. just
0: like I couldn't like my sister just like all she talked about was like like <laughs> her hype her hype and like I, the picture is ridiculous me and her are both like holding on <laughs> for dear life it's so funny um, on that <laughs> note thank you so much for coming on this podcast and sharing your story and you know I, I just look forward to the world getting to know you better so thank you
1: Thank you so much, Blair. I appreciate it.
0: I love it. And thank you to everyone who tuned into another episode of Radical Resilience. We do this every Friday back in your ears on your favorite podcast player. You know, if you have a story to share, we are collecting stories of resilience from around the world to publish in books. Book number two is about to come out. Book number one was out last June, became an international bestseller. Um, You know, I'm going to be in the book. Obviously, Charlize is going to be in the book. There's There's no one in this world who hasn't survived a challenge. So if you are ready to share your story, you want to be a part of our community, there's a link in the show notes. Um, Just remember, like, life is hard and beautiful and everything, it's messy and everything in between. And you don't have to do it alone. It is okay to not be okay. You will get through this. Let us be that lighthouse in the storm, that light at the end of the tunnel, because You're not alone. And my friends, you are resilient. That's a wrap for another episode of Radical Resilience. Do you feel inspired by this episode? You can subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player and connect with us to join the conversation at IamResilient.info. Remember, it's okay to not be okay. And you, my friend, are resilient. Radical Resilience is a podcast created by The Resilience Project.